The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome, everybody here in the room, everybody tuning in online. Welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you, you are new amongst us, we always make a point of singling out our visitors and saying that we are so grateful you're here. We want a chance to connect with you. And uh, we have visitor cards in the lobby that you can fill out or you can scan the QR code in your Sunday sheet. But I'm grateful that all of you are gathered here to worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together. This is a church being transformed into the image of Christ so that anyone can find the way to God. And we've been talking about growing into that identity in Christ, being transformed further and further, growing into Christ's image together. And Ben, so far over the last two weeks, has talked about growing into our purpose. He's talked about growing into belonging. And this morning, we're going to round things out talking about growing in testimony. And we're going to do that primarily in Luke chapter 19, if you want to turn over in your Bibles. Now, as Jesus was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Let's pray. God, we give thanks for your word once again this morning. We give thanks for your deeds of power. We praise you as the one who has come and rescued us. Lord, we praise you and we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to work amongst us, work in our hearts right now. Open up our eyes and ears to this text. And God, I ask you for the gift of preaching. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me tell you about one of the best meals I've ever eaten. Insert churchy joke about lunch. And I can't believe I'm going to say this in front of John, but it was in Canada. And you might be picturing a perfectly cooked steak. You might be thinking of a big greasy burger. This consisted mostly of finger sandwiches. It wasn't even dinner. It was, in fact, afternoon tea in Canada. But it was one of the best meals of my life. And it happened because Laura and I were on our honeymoon in Seattle, and we took a ferry out to Vancouver Island, and we went to this place called the Empress Hotel. And it's this incredible hotel, and it's an amazing atmosphere, and we sat down, and there were all kinds of these delicious finger sandwiches, and pastries, and scones, and jam, and Devonshire cream, and I swear it was probably the best meal I've had in my life up to that point. And the reason we were there is because somebody told us. Lara's mom 
had been there, had stayed there, had experienced afternoon tea at the Empress Hotel. She told Lara about it, Lara told me, and Lara's mom's experience fed into our own experience, and you may or may not believe me that this was really that great of a meal, or maybe you do believe me and you're making a mental note of the Empress Hotel, but either way, that was what I experienced, and right now, you might say I'm testifying to it. This is my Empress Hotel testimony. Because one of the things we want to grow into in 2024 at the Springs is our testimony. So there was a group of about 30 of us on Friday night that gathered in this room, and Priscilla Pope Levison came up from Perkins School of Theology in Dallas at SMU, and we talked for a couple of hours about what it means to share our testimony. It was really, really wonderful. She shared with us, and the way that we got connected with Priscilla in the first place was through her book on evangelism that we, we preached through a couple falls ago. And there's a, a quote in that book that I used in that sermon series that still sticks with me. It's by a Sri Lankan church leader named D.T. Niles who says that evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. And Priscilla's husband, Jack, who is also a Bible professor, he said, we can say the same for testimony. Testimony is one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. Right? It's Lara's mom telling us about this incredible experience she had, telling us, us going and experiencing that same thing. We as Christians have an angle on the world that the world needs to hear about. And if we don't tell them where to get food, we rob them of a possible experience of God in their lives and in the world. One beggar telling another beggar where to get food. That's testimony. And that makes testimony sound really simple. But if we want to grow into testimony, it's going to be hard work. Right? Transformation takes change that is painful, that is excruciating, right? It's going to be hard work. We're going to have to develop our testimonial faculties. We're going to have to develop three testimony organs that I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about testimony's eyes, testimony's tongues, and testimony's ears. So let's start with the eyes in Luke chapter 19, verse 37. Now, as he was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's being crowned Messiah. He's being crowned the king. And you can see that his multitude of disciples are following in his wake and they're declaring praises to God. What are they declaring about? The disciples praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen. 
we want to grow in our ability to testify to God's activity in our lives and in the world, we're going to have to have eyes that see. We're going to have to have eyes opened to God and what God is doing amongst us. Because people don't normally see what they're not looking for. People have a tough time seeing what they're not expectant to see. There's a story told in this book called The Invisible Gorilla about this woman who was bleeding. She was in medical trouble, and so they had to insert an IV through her femoral artery. Right? And so they have to do that using a guide wire. Well, they get her figured out, stops bleeding, but they forgot to remove the guide wire. So she goes into the hospital, and she's getting worse in some ways, and they do some x-rays. They do a CAT scan. The fifth day in the hospital, somebody doing another procedure on her finally notices the guide wire. And they go back, and they look at all these x-rays and the CAT scans. It was right there. It was plain as day in every single x-ray. And you might think, come on, radiologists, how do you, how do you miss that? But honestly, that's a really hard job, and radiologists are trained to look for very specific things. They're not looking for a guide wire in someone. Right? If you are not looking for something, it becomes very hard to see that thing. People who are not looking for something have a tough time recognizing it, right? And many people today are not actively looking for God's activity in their lives, right? But just because they're not seeing it or telling people about it doesn't mean it's not there, right? If an artist renders a landscape in black and white, that doesn't mean the color was not present the whole time. Right? And so if we want to be people who render the world in living color, who render the world with the vivid color of God's activity, we have to have our eyes open to see it. We have to be looking for what God is doing. And that means looking at different angles. Right? If we're trying to see with testimony's eyes, with, with a God's eye view, We're going to be looking from a different perspective, right? Because God sees differently, doesn't he? Remember in 1 Samuel 16? Remember when Samuel is, he's tasked with anointing the next king of Israel, and he goes to Jesse, and they trot out all the big, impressive, oldest sons. And in verse 6, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely his anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord doesn't see just the surface impression. God doesn't just see the the surface appearance, right? He sees through to the heart of it. He sees through to the deeper reality. Right? And you can look and not see. You can look and see the wrong thing, right? Jesus, in Mark chapter 8, remember his disciples, as usual, are totally missing the point. And he says, do you have eyes and fail to see? 
Because two people can look at the exact same thing and see totally different things. Come away with totally different ideas of what it was that they saw. So if we want to see God's activity in the world, we're going to have to look with his eyes. We're going to have to look differently and not just on the surface impression, but see to the heart of the matter if we want to see what it is we need to testify to. It's not just our eyes, right? It doesn't stop there. We have a word to give when we've seen something. We need testimonies, tongues. That's why in Revelation 12, it says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not cling to life even in the face of death. Some of you might know that that Greek word for testimony there is where we get our English word martyr. Martyrs were giving their testimony so bravely that Revelation says they did not cling to life even in the face of death. As Priscilla's husband Jack also said in some teaching on testimony, he said, testimony can be costly. Apparently our ancestors in the faith thought that testimony was so important that that witness eventually became connected with martyrs, with giving your whole self testimony can be costly. Testimony can be painful. But it's a word, right? It's the word of their testimony, right? We, we have to develop our ability, if we want to grow in testimony, we have to develop our ability not just to see, but to say. If you see something, say something, Right? We have to not just see opening our eyes, but if we are seeing a divine angle on the world that they are missing, we've got to speak up about it. Because we're seeing it, and apparently they're not. Our little family of five went out to Tulsa. We did a little day trip last spring with my parents and Laura's parents, and we went to the Gathering Place, which is super fun if you haven't been there. We went to the Philbrook Art Museum, which has really fun little kid activities on Friday. They do like a nature walk, and we fed the fish and all that jazz. And so then we're like, all right, let's go into the art museum itself. There was a cool display of European paintings. It was an exhibit on, it was called Rembrandt to Monet. And so we, we take our family inside, and we walk in, and it's kind of this intimate, pretty quiet space, but really beautiful, and probably hadn't been in there more than 30 seconds when three-year-old at the time, Asher, starts running over to six-year-old at the time, Jeremiah, and he's excited. He says, Jeremiah, someone's bottom. (laughs) And there was a bottom on the wall. You know how Europeans are. (laughs) They're like Canadians. (laughs) 
he had seen something that nobody else seemed to be commenting upon. Nobody <laughs> else was saying what he was seeing. And when you're seeing something in the world that no one else is saying anything about, you've got to let them know. You've got to say something about it, right? You've got to give a word. All right, we as, as Christians believe that we have an angle on things that is being largely neglected in other quarters, largely neglected in our society. And so we've got to grow in our ability to testify with testimonies tongues, right? To say what it is that we are seeing, right? And I'm glad you're here this morning for gathered worship because worship is one of the places where we learn the vocabulary of testimony. It's one of the places we learn the vocabulary of our faith, which really does, in fact, allow us to name what it is that we are seeing, right? The language that we use, it allows us to, to name realities in the world, for instance, I was, I was helping Blake Mullins. We were moving a house maybe three, four years ago or something. And we came to a, a dresser. And this wasn't like Ikea with the metal rails and the wheels. This was like totally wood and beautiful. And there was this kind of groove on the bottom. But I, I couldn't think of the word to talk about that. We were moving the, the drawers. And Blake... I didn't have the word groove, and Blake called it something that just named that reality for me. He called it a channel. I was like, that's exactly what that is. It's, you know, it's this perfect little empty bed, this passageway that lines up, and that's how they fit in there. But it was one of those gratifying experiences where somebody has language that you don't have, and it names a reality in the world. Right? Blake lives in that engineering practical world that I'm so far removed from much of the time. And so he had the language to name what it was that we were seeing, right? We need the language of our faith. We need to grow into that if we're going to grow in testimony. And we do that through worship. We do that through our engagement with scripture. We do that by engaging with the word of God so that we can tell our stories. But that's what Priscilla with Testimony HQ, that's how they've defined Testimony. Testimonies are a, a good story that is also a God story. And you might think, well, I, I don't know. I've got some stories, but I don't know if I have any good stories that are God stories, Brett. Like, if you put me on the spot, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I could, could really go there. Right? Sometimes we, we look at really good storytellers or we look at other people's testimonies and we think, wow, that's, that's so powerful. I, I don't really have anything to offer in that realm. Right? I remember being a kid and my dad, if you've gotten to know my dad, he's a good storyteller. He loves to tell stories. And he was like that as I was a kid. Every night before bed, you know, he's telling me some crazy, zany, funny story from his life. And I was kind of this forward-looking, worrywart at times of a kid. And I, I literally remember thinking to myself as a child, like, if I have kids, what stories am I going to tell them? <laughs> I, I don't have any good stories, and this guy has so many. How am I going to live up to that? But we do have stories, and they don't have to be grandiose 
Testimony doesn't always have to be spill your deepest, darkest guts, though that can be it. It doesn't have to be your entire life. It doesn't have to be your exact conversion story. Testimony can be simple. On Friday, Priscilla walked us through in the Gospel of John something she called seven-word testimonies. Right, if you think back to John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman, she has this life-changing, transformative encounter and conversation with Jesus. And she goes back into her village and she says, come see the guy who told me everything I've ever done. He told me everything I've ever done. Seven words. The entire village is converted. In seven words. It doesn't have to be complex. And as Priscilla said, you don't just have one testimony. We all have many testimonies. We all have many experiences with God. We've got to keep our eyes open to it, and we've got to grow in our ability to tell that word of our testimony. But we're also going to need testimonies ears. We're also going to need ears to hear testimonies this year if we're going to grow in testimony. As Paul says in Romans chapter 10, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him. And how are they to proclaim him? Unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How can one beggar know where the food is if he can't hear the words from another beggar sent to him? Right, and Paul's use of that word sent, that's the Greek word where we get the word apostle actually. That's what an apostle originally was. It was the witnesses to the resurrected Jesus who were sent to declare that word, who were sent to witness to the reality of the good news that Jesus is risen. That's what an apostle was. And so if we are going to have people hear that good news, we have to go to them. And we have to pray that their ears are open. So in one sense, we're praying for testimonies, ears outside of the church, right? Because as Stanley Hauerwas says, Christianity is not a philosophy that can be learned separate from those who embody it. If the truth that is Christ were a truth that could be known in principle, then we would not need apostles. But the way the gospel is known is by one person being for another person the story of Christ. One beggar telling another beggar where to get food. One person who embodies the gospel in their lives, in their deeds, who tells to their ears the story of Jesus Christ that has saved them and can do the same for them. That's why we need testimonies ears outside the church and we need to embody that word in word and deed. But we also need testimonies, ears inside the church. We also need to open up our ears to the stories of one another. 
because the way that we embody the Jesus story in our lives more faithfully is by hearing how Jesus is being embodied faithfully in your life. Testimony is the way that we share the wisdom and the work of the Spirit that is amongst us, right? We have to hear each other's stories because they all feed into one another. Ben and I were talking about this about a month ago. We were saying, like, I've been his preaching colleague for so long now, and I've heard so many of his great stories that they're Ben's stories, but in one sense, they've also become my own stories, I'll be with friends, and I'll be like, yeah, my, my preaching teammate has this amazing story of this thing that happened in Uganda, or this thing that happened in his life. Right? They're, they're Ben's stories, but now they've been woven into my story. Now they've been planted deeply in my heart, and they change who I am. And I could say that for many of you in this room, and I think we could all say that for each other, that we need testimonies, ears opened to each other's stories because that is the way we learn how to live Jesus today. I don't know what options of of a life to lead that looks like Jesus until I see it in you, right? Because I, I always have to stay connected to the gospels. We have to stay connected to the stories of Jesus in scripture, but Jesus is risen. His spirit is alive. It's living in all of you, and we can see concrete examples of what it means to live Christ in 2024, Edmond, Oklahoma, right around us. So church, here is one of the bedrock reasons we need to grow in testimony this year. We need to hear your God stories so we can live our God stories. We need to hear your God stories so we can live the God story in our life. I need to hear what Jesus is doing in you, and if I'm gonna hear that, I need testimonies ears. If I'm gonna hear that, I need testimonies ears, you're gonna need testimonies tongues, and we're all gonna need testimonies eyes so that we're opened to the reality of what God is doing in and amongst us. We have a divine angle on the world that the world desperately needs to hear. We have all experienced God's healing and goodness in our lives and we all have stories that we can share. We are the beggars been saved by Jesus, who've been led to the living bread that came down from heaven, Jesus Christ. Jesus who is our sustenance, who can be sustenance for others, and the Jesus whose story has now become our story. So if we're going to grow in testimony this year, church, we're going to have to embody that story in our deeds. We're going to have to tell of what we are seeing, and we're going to have to listen to the ways that God continues to work and move because he is the living God who does not see as the world sees. He is the God who has rescued us in Jesus Christ, and that is our story. Let us stand and testify to the story of the Jesus who saves us.